Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Podcast, hosted by Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I'm Anna Forsyth at aforsyth 3 on the Twitter. As I'm introducing the episode, I'm guessing you all can figure out that Chris is not here this week. Um, that's Chris Golden, at Lightforce on the Twitter if you don't know him. I think he's in Victoria. He did tell me, but I forgot because I'm a bad friend. So, um, before I get to our super awesome guest that we have joining me, I'm just going to shoot out a reminder that we have a C4 meetup on September 10th. So that's... A post-COVID, sort of, we're still in the middle of COVID, but whatever, trying to hang out with real people in the real world. It's September 10th. It's going to be 4 p.m. It's going to be at Steamworks downtown, right by Waterfront Station. Come hang out with us, have a few drinks, talk about hockey, talk about other random nonsense. Um, We'd love for you to join us. Now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our super awesome guest. Um, We are joined today by Cody Sievertson of Canucks Army, of AHL Nux Harvest, co-host of the Crease Cast. Cody, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, all things considered. It's a Monday. It's sun shining. Didn't, actually, it didn't rain. I, I was about to say it didn't rain today, but it did, so I'm actually completely wrong. So actually, today was miserable. Everything sucks, but we're here <laughs> to talk about hockey, which is good because it's been a long time for me. We, uh, the Crease Cast took uh, a break after the draft, so I got to, you know dust off some rust before the season starts uh so yeah this is good i'm excited uh i know we've been trying to uh 
do a reu- a, a C4 Cody Siebertson union for quite a while now, but the timing's yeah. never worked out. So it's really great that it's happening, like just as the season's about to sort of start. Yeah, you're like part of our getting excited for the season. Yeah, we've had your co-host of the Crease Cars Lachlan on before when we were doing our little Botchford project series, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, but yeah, um, behind the scenes, I've been pushing, especially me, because I'm like getting super into Abbotsford Canucks, if anyone follows my Twitter mm-hmm. and my obsession with um, Team Sheldon then yeah. yeah i've been super keen to get cody on so um thank you so much for joining us um yeah before before we get into rewind i'm just gonna say like how has your hockey break been how's your summer been like have oh, you it's... been able to enjoy it or <laughs> i have actually i i was pretty burnt out early on into last season I guess, like, because, like, for those that don't know, like, a big part of my writing has been, like, very laborious kind of game recaps, including data tracking. And doing that for three years straight takes a lot out of you. And for whatever reason, once this year started, it was just like my brain could no longer handle doing it anymore and was like, like, uh, maybe we shouldn't be up until 1130 every night laboriously tracking shots for and shots against like i'm sure it's interesting information for to a lot of people but like at the end of the day my mental health came first so like this season was like kind of me stepping back quite a bit which is actually kind of funny because while i stepped back was when david quadrelli kind of stepped in was like hey we really want you for canucks army so like the timing couldn't have been (laughs) like funnier where like i'm actually rolling back like my content and that's when he's like hey yeah your stuff's really good we should have you on the site it's like oh the timing couldn't have been weirder because i'm actually like kind of checked out right now but thanks let's do it so been uh spending a lot of time kind of talking with him this off season about like what I can do next season. And you can actually have the exclusive here on the C4 podcast, but I'm actually wow. going to be, yeah, this is, um, this is an exclusive, but, um, uh, Lachlan and I are actually planning on no longer doing the crease cast next year <laughs> because we're oh, actually, I know I, I hate to be a heartbreaker on the show, but we, we both were kind of presented opportunities to like increase how much we, we'd be writing for Canucks Army. And so for me and him, we don't want to do like the show without each other. It's a lot of work to, you know, do the writing. Uh, like for me as well, like, you know, you and I both, like we have full-time jobs, like, like podcasting and writing and whatever. Like that's all like kind of, you know, just like a hobby. It's on the side, like, but finding the time to do it, like, you know, it takes a commitment. And so to do the kind of work that we're going to be doing this year, it just kind of like, didn't make sense to be like half-assing like a podcast so we're actually gonna be stopping this year as we ramp up our writing work and we're very grateful to canucks army for presenting that opportunity it's a bit of a heartbreaker because you know i like hanging out with the guy he's a yeah it's a lovely bloke bad news news, good news it is it is it's it's bittersweet right yeah i mean that's the reason you want to stop because there's another exciting opportunity Mm -hmm. and i'm also pleased that it means that doesn't mean we're gonna hear from you less it's just different medium, yeah i guess yeah i think that's the thing right like also be able to like do like you know podcast guesting like here and there like for whatever shows that like come calling but like just like committing to you know 27 articles over the season plus game day recaps like it's a lot and then to do like a twice weekly show like it's just not really feasible for you know like a full-time job and the dog you know 
love Murphy, but yeah, my God, and, <laughs> he's a lot. Don't follow Cody on Instagram. Uh, you need to because oh my God, his dog is adorable. It, th- that's the one good thing about him. He's very adorable. He's very cute. But my God, the man is seventy five pounds, maybe eighty pounds now of pure energy, and it's. It's a lot, let me tell you. So, so yeah, uh, really excited for this season. It's going to be like a totally, totally different. Lots of cool opportunities coming up for the Crease cast, even though the show will not live on. But uh, yeah, so really exciting. Summer's been good because of that. Like we just kind of, I don't know, it just feels like good growth for us. And so that's uh, that's exciting. Well, thanks for that like exclusive. And <laughs> it is very exciting to hear that you're going to be writing more. So yeah, thanks. On, on that bombshell, we will jump into Rewind. Okay, so to start off Rewind, I'm going to take you back, Cody, back when you were like in the hockey mindset, <laughs> and probably the last time that was, was the draft. Mm-hmm. The crazy NHL draft, back in person... <laughs> Which, honestly, I was so excited about because I just can't watch the virtual draft anymore and just to have the awkward watching a family waiting mm-hmm. for the delay for them to react. Um, I don't know about you, but I was excited to see it in person. Yeah, like, there could have been, like, no one in the crowd, too. It, it wouldn't have mattered. Just, like, seeing all the GMs and, like, the, the teams and, like, the scouting staff, like, in person, like, makes feel more, like, tangible. Like, the remote Zoom just felt so like detached and kind of i mean it's not their fault like obviously they had to do what they had to do but like it just kind of reminded you at the time like oh yeah you're in a pandemic and even these people are not like you know they're they're bound to the same rules that you are and yeah. it's and it sucks and yeah. it's just start, like a really bummer reminder totally yeah gone. like yeah. you usually watch like sports for the escapism like okay i can forget like you know that all i'm doing right now is going to and from work wearing a mask everywhere and just being like you know really cautious i can watch this sport where these guys are just living in a totally different planet and it's like nope not for the draft so this year we'd see you know families in the stands actually getting called up when their number was called like that's just so great and it made it so much better to watch like I don't ever want a Zoom. I don't ever want to see yeah. a Zoom draft ever again. That's just so miserable. I'm 100% with you. Honestly, I'd rather just like get a printout of like the results. The yeah, yeah. Through the Zoom draft. Like, like the newspaper like version, like back in yeah. like the 2000 or the early 2000s or the 90s, where no one knew. You just see like this is who they drafted. I don't know. You're like okay, okay, cool. Well, I, I guess that'll um, work out. Yeah, but the big story, obviously, first. Uh, first up was like not the hugest shock in the world that Montreal didn't pick Shane Wright like Mm -hmm. as it got close to the draft it did seem like it's 50-50 split really between him and Slavkovsky but were you as like shook as me when Shane Wright dropped all the way to four? I I think because I had been like paying attention to a lot of like the uh, Twitter draft analysis that they were saying, you know, if, if Slavkowski goes first overall, which seems like it's really likely going to happen, there is a good chance that 
even New Jersey won't want Shane Wright. Like they're looking for like a partner for Luke Hughes eventually. So they might take Simo Nemich. And then we were hearing rumors too, that Arizona was really high on Logan Cooley to the point that he was like higher ranked than even Slefkovsky and Nemich and Wright. So it wasn't like too shocking, but it was kind of like, like, you know, you hear all these like crazy rumors, like ahead of time. You're like, it won't actually happen. Like same with the Quinn Hughes thing in 2018, right? Like you're, yeah. You kind of knew like some teams were going to do something weird. Like I don't think anyone saw Montreal taking Kotkin Yemi as high as they did. And no one expected Arizona to take Barrett Hayton. And then suddenly it was just like, oh, Quinn Hughes is a complete freebie for the Canucks. So I don't know if Shane Wright was like a shocking freebie. But like if you're the Seattle Kraken or a Seattle Kraken fan, you're like just laughing right now that you you somehow landed like the consensus like number one pick like basically leading into the draft for completely free. So that's, yeah. that was really exciting. It it, it was kind of lame. Cause like after, after Shane Wright went like kind of like the, like the, the suspense was kind of like lifted off the draft and you're like, oh, okay, now we're back to like a normal draft. It's not going to get too crazy. Like nothing will ever yeah. top 2018. So like for like a brief little bit, there was like some excitement, like, oh yeah, Wright's just going to fall to 10th overall or 15th like it's just gonna be it's gonna be one of those insane drafts and it looked pretty pretty insane for a bit and then it stopped and it was like oh okay well it was it was fun for like 20 minutes half an hour yeah i mean the thing was i mean i was comparing like about you know five or six different draft lists and there was just like no consensus whatsoever that's the thing it's hard to be shocking Mm -hmm. when you don't have any agreement you'll see like someone put like someone at 10 and then they're not even they're in not even the top first three rounds of, of someone else's draft. yeah like, um i guess it's kind of like hard to really throw a spanner in the works when yeah that no one knows who ranks who where so yeah mm-hmm. i think um i think in uh the minnesota wilds uh draft video judd brackett basically explained that process too where they were like you know we think Danila Yurov who they took 24th overall we think he's actually a better pick at number 19 than who we take but based on like game theory basically if we take Liam Ogren it's more likely that Danila Yurov drops to us at 24 than he does if we pick him and then hope Ogren stays so it's like the gamesmanship, you know, just based on like what they perceive everyone else's draft list to be, is like super interesting. And it was kind yeah, of I mean, neat to see how that one shake out. Chess, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it w- sure would it be nice to have him on your team, huh? Yeah, Ooh. but uh, <laughs> speaking of the Canucks, though, like Canucks did all right. Like, it wasn't, yeah, it was a draft. You know, slam dunk, but like they did okay. Like, mm-hmm. um, I guess we'll mainly talk about the first couple picks but like sure. like a Mackey, like that's Fine. a pretty good deal at that um at 15 yeah but yeah i guess I th- yeah i think that's the thing right is like when you're picking midway through the first round like you can't be like like it's not like 2015 when it was like the bruins took three players who were just okay and like yeah. barzal shabbat and um kyle connor were left available like it it was just kind of like oh you're gonna get good value here you're probably not gonna get a superstar but you're gonna get something of value just 
you know, hold your horses a bit. So like it was one of those drafts where it was like, you're going to get value no matter what outside of the top five, but like you kind of temper your expectations a bit. Like you're not going to get some super stud. And I think for the most part, their draft was basically like, yeah, they got a lot of guys. There's no one that leaps off the page that you're like, oh, this is like the the steal of the draft. This is going to, you know, pay dividends in like just a few years. But it was just kind of like the body of work was like pretty good. Like I've heard good things about Elias Pettersson, the defenseman, just so we're clear, C4 listeners. (laughs) Elias Pettersson, uh, repeaty as a... I believe yeah, Tommy the tractor that. guy quoted. I I don't I don't know who came up with that, but it's really clever. So there's Elias Patterson who I've heard good things from Will Scouching on uh, Canucks Conversations podcast, where he's kind of a smart player, but like you know, don't expect him to be you know Quinn Hughes. Um, Damon Gardner projects to be like a bit of a project. Like he just lit up the U.S. high school leagues, but he wasn't exactly you know, doing that well in the USHL, which is where you would have expected someone of his frame to do well. So it's kind of like one of those, like, I understand why they thought he was good because he produced well in one league, but probably a work in progress. Otherwise, same thing with Ty Young. He's like kind of an undersized goalie on like a terrible, terrible Prince George Cougars team. So it's like, it's hard to project some of their later picks because like they all come with like some sort of asterisk on them where you're like, okay, I see why they picked them, but you know, there's a bunch of risks probably involved where you can't be like assured saying that they might be anything for your development system down the road, just because we don't really know. Like Ty Young barely played in the WHL. And when he did like they, he, they shelled him. Like the poor guy, like just pays like apparently like the worst workload of any goaltender in the WHL last year for the Prince George Cougars, and it's like he was only seventeen, so it's like okay, we had terrible numbers, but like context contextually, it's not his fault, right? So yeah, which was it a good pick? Exciting way to be, but yeah, like and that applies to like all their pick their picks, right? Where you're just like, well. In context, it makes sense why they drafted him. But like, if you're a Canucks fan, you're not like, go, like leaving the draft going like, yeah, they won. They stole the draft from everybody with all these studs that like were lighting it up in their respective leagues. It's just like, no, oh, just a bunch of projects for, you know, which makes sense because they just invested heavily in their development staff and development program with like the Sedins, with uh, Cameron Granado, like. Um, it does make sense where they would be like, okay, we trust in the development program that we built up. So we shouldn't be afraid to draft guys who project not immediately to be NHLers, but maybe need some work, but we trust our people to actually round them out into, you know, fighting shape, so to speak. So the best you can say, sorry, go ahead. I was just say the best you can say is like, it was an NHL draft. It wasn't a bad draft and it wasn't like, a world beater but it was a draft and sometimes that's okay too right and i i think one thing is that you make a good point I, and i do feel better about the development team than i have in a little while like mm-hmm. all the canucks prospects not that we have a load of a style prospects but um you know they say such good things about chris higgins ryan johnson yeah. like um so with a lot of these picks throughout the draft, it's really going to depend on how they develop. And we can't, you know, the Canucks can't control everything. But mm-hmm. um, I feel a little better about, yeah, the way they develop. Yeah, because 
like they also added like coaches for, uh, development coaches for like different regions, which they hadn't had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they added Mike Komisarek for the right. U.S. They added uh, Mikhail Samuelson for the Swedish league. So you feel a bit better. Like like there are guys local to these kids now that there weren't there before, where it was all like all the development seemed to happen only in Abbotsford or in Vancouver at training camps and remotely. But now it's like, okay, maybe now that there are these X players who are, you know, within like a phone call away or can literally share ice with them because they're like in the region, like that goes a long way to a player's development. Because I think it was Aiden McDonough who was on uh, Canuck Conversation at one point and they were talking with uh, Faber and he was like, oh, so what did you want to work on last season? He's like, oh, well the team said I should probably work on my skating. So I went out of my way to hire like a, like an agility coach or whatever. And it's like, Mm. Oh, this is just happening now. You were drafted two years ago. Like you'd think this would have happened now if you'd had an American development coach on hand to say, Oh yeah, you need to work on your speed. You shouldn't get this right away. So, I mean, I don't want to like hammer too hard on the Benning era because I don't. I don't think either of us have the time or the brain capacity to deal with that right yeah, now. The will, yeah, the will, the yeah, the energy is just not there, especially on a Monday night. That's just not going to happen. So all we can do is look forward and say like, okay, they've they've got the pieces in place. We should at least have a little faith that maybe they kind of know what they need to fix, the area they need to fix, and that has been development. And if they're scouts you know, believe in these players, and then they believe that, you know, the Sedins and Samuelson, Commissaric, Granado, they can shepherd these kids into being, like, legitimate, like, assets, then great. I will ch- I will yeah. believe in them, too, until we're looking at year nine of the Rutherford rebuild, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, before we move off the draft, another intriguing thing was something that didn't happen, and that <laughs> was the maybe trade that wasn't kind of disgusting that was the trade between canucks and islanders that seemed to fall apart um what did you make of that especially the sort of patrick olvin's response and um is there some way you kind of think it might have fallen down well i think canucks fans should be mad at uh i think it was elliot friedman or kevin weeks who uh exposed that there may have been a trade in the works because that probably killed any jt miller deal and now that we know, too, that the Islanders were willing to shed their 13th overall pick for Alex Romanov, who's, like, just a defenseman, like, he's just a guy, he's fine, but 13th yeah, overall is a pretty high pick. So, jag material. Yeah, so it's, like, uh, it's a bit bizarre, because I genuinely wonder, like, how the money would work, because the Islanders are so up against the cap, so, like, why would they what interest would they have in extending JT Miller if that was even the plan, unless they thought JT Miller was the one piece that was going to push them over the edge to playoffs. So it's just like all really bizarre where you just kind of like, you just chalk it up to Lou Lamorello being Lou Lamorello, but it did like provide some juicy, some sass from uh, (laughs) Lou in the aftermath. And he's like, you can ask Vancouver what happened with the trade. So he was obviously upset that the trade fell through. Um, I'm sure he's even more upset now that uh, Nassim Kadri signed in Calgary. And, he, like, I mean, much has been made on, you know, Canucks Twitter about how the Canucks are basically running back uh, the same team for next year. And that's true to an extent, but 
the New York Islanders are also really? completely yeah. running it back uh, to the point of where I was talking to Lachlan about this today. I was like, I don't know if the Canucks want to be occupying the same uh, brain waves as the New York Islanders in terms of like running it back because if both teams miss the playoffs, like that is completely on both teams GMs for like failing to identify that bringing like running it back usually never works. Um, it, I mean, it'll be funny if like the Islanders miss the playoffs again and Lou Lamorello's like, you know, canned after it because like, why wouldn't he be <laughs> like just the cap yeah. situation he's left them with? Like it just like, no doubt he should be gone. But for the Canucks, like you could make the still argument like, uh, Alvin's still new on the job. He may, maybe he didn't get the best view of the team or the evaluation because of how many injuries or whatever happened to like Tucker Pullman or whatever. So I kind of get it, sort of. It sucks because like you, you don't want to see a team run it back when they miss playoffs with that team. Like, like most of the players aren't going to get better now that they're a year older. So it's not a good look, but. Eh. It's just funny. At the end of the day, if if any if any of our C four listeners here have ever listened to the Crease Cast, ninety percent of the rants that Lachlan or myself go on end with us just basically saying we don't know what the team is doing. But at the end of the day, it's pretty funny whatever it is they do do because we can't explain it. It usually doesn't make any sense. But if we can laugh about it, then that's that's kind of the gold of hockey. And fortunately, the Vancouver Canucks have given us a lot to laugh at. I mean, we were ch- kind of joking about it already, but I mean, they drafted, they literally drafted Elias Pettersson again, and I'm sure he's a good player. I've heard good things, but there's something genuinely very funny about a team memeing a draft pick, and so I, I respect them, the hell out of them for that. I hope they give us more meme content later in the season, because if they run it back and they suck... At least we'll have memes, and if they can't give us that either, then it's just going to be another year of disappointment, and I'm not really ready for that. Yeah, um, 100%. I I agree with that. It's hard to say, like, I mean, Lou's such a funny character, like, I mean, he, I wonder if he's going to look back on this year and be like, maybe I shouldn't have focused on facial hair, but... Um... <laughs> I shouldn't have focused so much on sideburns. That's why he... That's why he uh, traded for uh, Alexander Romanov, because he has tons of sideburns and long black hair. So maybe he was like, I can fix him. If I can just get that kid to trim his sideburns and shave his hair, he'll be a stud. Yeah, Um, we'll see how that works out for them. But do you think, um, before we move off the draft completely, do you think that was kind of it for the JT Miller thing? Is it like something that's going to come up and the deadline or like where do you see that i based on like what i've read from like uh, uh thomas Strance reporting or rick dollywall like it just seemed genuinely seems like they have been pushing hard for an extension this off season but they're just like miles apart on mm-hmm. an, an agreement so barring a trade in the next like couple of weeks here before training camp like kicks into gear i can't imagine he's going anywhere and it, he might legitimately be a trade deadline, you know, move if the team is bad or he might just walk as a UFA and like, Hey, he, he's entitled to that. Like he, he almost hits a hundred points this year. 
He's a, like a center wing pivot. He uh, does face offs. He's like a power play specialist. Like he, his offense is like hard to pass up as a UFA. And I could definitely see why teams would want to just like pay hard for him. And if his camp is like, look, we don't want to negotiate in the middle of the season. I don't blame him. Like he's probably going to want to try and hit his offensive totals as best as possible because there's one guarantee in the NHL, and that's when a player's on an expiring contract before hitting UFA, they produce. I was just literally looking today earlier at Jeff Skinner's uh, season in Buffalo right before he got his eight-year, $8 million extension where he hit 40 goals and 30 assists and then followed it up with, like, 13 points. Yeah. Like, these guys know when they're going to get paid and what they need to do to get paid. So he is going to come out guns a-blazing, and the last thing he's going to want to do is try to negotiate an extension for a team that he might not have a place for. So I think it could be kind of, like, it might be a little too little too late. Like, that potential trade with the Islanders might have been, like, the last chance they had to move him for a package. Maybe something happens at the trade deadline, but I'm not too sure it's going to happen. I think he's he's either he's either gone at the trade deadline or he's gone for free, but I don't think they're extending him at this point. Right. Yeah. Um I mean, I agree with you. It's you know, JT's prerogative. Mm-hmm. He's earned the right to do what he wants. If he doesn't get traded, it's a failure of, you know, Canucks management, not of you know his stubbornness i Mm -hmm. yeah i don't really go in for all that like calgary being mad at uh, (laughs) that would be really funny like that would be really funny if uh the calgary flames uh went after jt miller in the off season like they just they're just literally reuniting the whole band it'd be great it'd be so funny but like yeah I guess uh, we've given Knott's conversation so many shout outs today, but I'm going to give yeah, him another one because it's a um, shame. Fab- <laughs> I know it is a shame, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I love those boys mainly when they talk about hockey and then they just like start talking about geography or food and they have no idea what they're saying. It's yeah, very yeah. funny. It's very fair. But yes, Favors did say um, either on the last Knott's conversation or the one before, like the people can get worried about like the price that we um get for jt miller but the like only bad trade would be like the only bad price for a trade would be not trading him right mm-hmm. like we're past the point where we're gonna get what we think is like fair value like a great value for him for sure um but tell you what like value is like good it's something like it's better than him walking away for free right yeah, I think a lot of people will look back to when the rumored trade to New York Rangers, when it was like Heedle yeah. and uh, not Braden Schneider, but the other defenseman and a second round pick. It, it, like it didn't seem like a good package at the time, but now you look back at it and you're like, okay, well, would you rather have a package that isn't much but gives you something or nothing I mean, at all? Like yeah, you'll you'll take whatever you can great get in the playoffs. Like <laughs> yeah, on a heater probably, but yeah, a little bit, but. That that heater would have been nice on the Canucks, baby, especially right, if it's for exactly. cheap. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, with you there. So that's the business, the transfer deadline business and the off-season business that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. There has been some Canucks signings. So um, <laughs> first of all, Canucks won the Kuzmenko sweepstakes. 
Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's nice to win something. Let's put that on the banner. <laughs> yeah. Arthur Rogers. Um, he is the kind of player that could be a lot of things. I'd be interested mm-hmm. where you see him, like, his ceiling. Um, I think his ceiling's pretty high, right? But it's just a case of um, how will he adapt to mm-hmm. the NHL. And, um, um, where, yeah, where do you see his role, I guess, I would say, I, start the season? I think for Kuzmenko, it's, like, really interesting because, like, the track record isn't there that he's going to be, like, instantly an NHL stud, but the based on the way like the management team talked about him, like it just kind of sounded like they're like, oh, we're gonna throw him in the top six, give him power play time. We're just really gonna try and get him to like score right away, which like fair, like that's what you want to do when you get this prized asset and you want to actually make sure he's valuable. But a part of me is kind of like, okay, well, you know, he was only a twenty goal scorer in the KHL once. And it was right. convenient, like like we were literally just saying with uh, UFAs in the NHL, like UFAs in the KHL know when their KHL deals are expiring and when they're going to get looks from NHL teams. And it's a little convenient that he has like a career year at the end of his like main, main KHL deal with uh, Scott St. Petersburg. Will he be able to translate? Like, will the speed of the game, like, like will he be able to keep up? Like, will he be able to you know, replicate his power play success in the KHL in the NHL where everything is just miles faster. I'm not, I know I see a lot of people like kind of throwing up like the victory flags because Andre Kuzmenko was, is going to be on the team. And I understand that, but like the cynic in me is just like, like he hasn't played an NHL game. Like there is a, there's a legitimate potential that Andre Kuzmenko puts up like 10 points maximum in his first NHL year. And then he goes and signs with some other team as a free agent. Like there's zero guarantee that he's just going to be like a 20 goal scorer in the NHL right away. Like there's no guarantee he's going to be Kirill Kaprizov. Like, and that's kind of where I feel like a lot of the fan base kind of are getting a bit in over their heads a bit when it comes to him. Like I believe when these khl ufas come over and they're 25 or 26 i think there is this kind of bias that they're gonna just be artemi panarin or they're gonna be kirill kaprizov and they forget of the nikita gusevs who you know had a decent first year but then immediately fell off because that was basically the best they could do and so i like i i appreciate all the fans out there c4 fans if you're the people putting Andre Kuzmenko in your top six on your uh, cop cap friendly um, team manager. I completely get it. I'm just like not sold at all just because like straight up, like eight years of Jim Benning basically broke my brain into thinking that only the worst can happen from any move, even when they do make the good decision. Like, like I think I was, I can't, I can't remember where I said it, but I basically said like, there's a good chance that, the Canucks lose every good process move they make and win every bad process move they make this offseason. Like, Andre Kuzmenko, good process, but he might not amount to anything. Um, yeah. Signing Ilya Mik- Mikiev to a four, like a near $5 million deal, bad yeah. process, but he might really work out for this team because of his speed. 
So right, you, which it's yeah, it's like striking not the balance. Knocks have had a lot of, I would say that's definitely yeah. like a key. The last eight years were a lot of bad process, bad results, and so it's weird to suddenly be encountered with good process with question marks on what those results can be. So this yeah. whole like upcoming year is very much like a okay, well. What is it going to be? For, are we going to break the mold? Are we going to finally get out of the the dark ages of the bad process, bad results? Are we going to see some bad process with good results and good process with good results? Or is it going to be more of the same? And I, like yourself, I'm probably just like hoping and praying <laughs> that it's good results yeah. for a change. Because it's a lot easier to talk about good process and good results than it is to talk about the same thing that's happened for eight years. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to put, like, agree with you, but sort of put a more positive spin on it and just say, like, Canucks in the past have really not put a lot of their European signings, especially Russian signings, in a position to succeed, I would Mm -hmm. say. Like, from a coaching standpoint, from a management standpoint as to who they were surrounded by. um, Like, development. Yeah, all of that. Like... Rodin, um, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, Goldobin. Gold, like, I mean, Goldobin. Yeah. Goldobin might not have been anything, but like the, f- w- I always look at at the years that Goldobin made his debut and played like sixty something games, and yeah. the team was so bad that it yeah, always really. struck me as bizarre that like he was hung out to dry for like his poor defense when it was like, like just gesturing towards the whole team, like like Travis. Travis Green. Yeah, like the whole really? team plays terrible defense. You're gonna single this kid out who has great chemistry with your star center yeah. from the SHL in Elias Patterson. You're gonna single this Russian kid out just because he he he's bad at defense. Like the whole team. Anyways, I yes. promised. I said we're not gonna <laughs> get into the gym banding era because we don't have time or energy. But that's just the kind of stuff my brain wanders to whenever I think about this stuff. Yeah, no, um, to go briefly off the rails, and I can <laughs> um, badmouth my stepmom on her because she doesn't listen. But <laughs> she like has she gets these weird fixations with Arsenal players about like just blaming them completely. So she thinks that the reason Arsenal didn't finish fourth last year was like this nineteen-year-old kid's fault who like <laughs> filled in for a few for three games mm-hmm. um, when we had other people injured, and it's like no, no, Not really. <laughs> like. Just, <laughs> Look at the rest of the yeah. team. Um, yeah. so, Look at the forest yeah. through the trees here. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we only have to hope that um, because of the good processes we have, <laughs> um, better coaching, um, somewhat better management, but, yeah, mm-hmm. some still questionable deals, but... Yeah. Um, then if they if the player doesn't succeed like Canucks have done everything right then yeah um then it's hard to be mad at it like you can still be sad but you can't be mad at it yeah um yeah I mean we'll just quickly go over the last few signings like mm-hmm. um Dakota Joshua um kind of yeah. more just like a good solid depth signing nothing yeah I I think he'll I was actually I was talking about this with Lachlan because I I I've basically penned Dakota Joshua into the NHL roster like because I right. like I don't know if people, like Canucks fans have actually looked at the numbers but like 
Dakota Joshua like had really good 5v5 metrics with St. Louis, and he produced at a better rate than Jason Dickinson, than Tyler Mott, than Matthew Highmore. Like the kid isn't like a joke. Like he actually is like a decent three fourth liner. So I have a feeling like that fourth line or third line spot is like locked up for him just because of his speed and the fact that he's actually like a track record of being able to produce and like good for him like he started in the ahl a couple of years ago and like he was not good could not produce to save his life and then ironically he got his first opportunity when he was on the split squad with utica so he has experience with trent cull uh if trent calls right. looking for new guys to be on his penalty kill like he's gonna know uh uh joshua's work ethic from his time in utica so like it, it makes sense that like like he would stick out of all those kind of like potential fringe players like justin dowling or um uh what's the guy's name phil di giuseppe like it just seems yeah. like a shoe in like he would be the guy to break from the pack um like he's he's not an exciting signing like it's not like you know everyone's like oh yeah the Canucks won the offseason but like he's just like a completely fine signing right like that's like what can be said about pretty much all of their UFAs except for Ilya Mikheyev where they paid pretty like a pretty hefty premium to get him but everyone else that they kind of went after was like you know pretty decent guys with like good underlying numbers and you're not exactly upset by the the money that was gift or dished out to them like Wyatt Kalanuck is going to be good depth. Quick Christian Wolanin, even Colin Delia as like an older goalie for the Abbotsford system. Like you're not quibbling over a guy making 750k. Like you're just not. No, so it's hard to get crazy mad at that. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, even Curtis Lazar, like considering yeah. how our center depth worked out last season, it's you know nice to have a little <laughs> extra, right? Yeah. It's Especially when it's like you look at, okay, Jason Dickinson didn't really pan out as a third, fourth line center. So now you have the option like, okay, he can either, you know, turn it up and like be more than what he showed last year. Or he's just kind of like a healthy scratch or maybe they move on from him. But you're feeling a lot better knowing you have Jason Dickinson, Curtis Lazar, Dakota Joshua, uh, Sheldon Dries, and Justin Dowling down your center pipeline as Mm -hmm. guys who can legitimately give you fourth line center minutes if whichever guy is injured or just not playing up to speed like that's that's decent depth and yeah i think you just feel a lot better when it was like last year it was like okay after jason dickinson oh he's not working out okay you have tyler mott oh he's injured okay we have matthew heimer okay well he's not good okay well you've got sheldon dries but the coach doesn't want to play him and it's like Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, the not only is the added depth, but last season was the first season where you felt, like, really comfortable drawing on that depth because your farm team is an hour away. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to get on two flights. They don't have to, like, wake up at three in the morning and yeah. drive, like, halfway <laughs> across the country then fly twice to get just to your home arena, like... Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard to even think of it as depth when it you really have to be like, no, this guy's gonna be out a while. Yeah, Let's fly him in. So yeah, it's sad that that's <laughs> so long to happen. But no kidding. Uh, um, yeah, and don't get me wrong, I love 
Subutica, like the whole community was like awesome, but it just yeah. was not practical. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're a great hockey market, and like I always like put in my like final game recaps for them is that like I felt bad that they kind of kind of got screwed by the Vancouver relationship because clearly the Canucks were never really interested in like fostering like a good development program with them. And it was kind of on no. Utica to, you know, just field a, a team based on guys local to the area. So I always felt bad for them. And then their last games that they had where people were in the audience, like the team was just like complete garbage. So yeah. I feel good for them because they did get New Jersey's farm system and they were like one of the best teams in the league last year. So, you know, kudos to them. It finally worked out where they got a team that actually cares. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had one good year, like 2018. Yeah, yeah. That was actually really fun to watch. But um, yeah, I think it all worked out for the best. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't have a Calgary farm team that no one goes to see. Yes. Um, (laughs) Speaking of farm team, we'll take a real quick break and then mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about habits for Canucks season. Let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder (laughs) Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. (laughs) Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He's going to get a lot of power play time and... Yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. Okay, so last year was the inaugural season of the Abbotsford Canucks, the Abbey Canucks, or the Baby Canucks, as they've come to be known by everyone, including, you know, John and John in the booth. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) how, like, very hard to sum up, but, like, how do you feel it went as an inaugural season? Were you disappointed, surprised, or was it about what you expected from like a brand new farm team? I I think they did pretty good, all things considered. I think they did a really good job of like embracing the city, uh, forming like a connection with like the various like businesses and the people. Like I th- think from like an off ice perspective, I think it yeah. was like a rousing success. On ice, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. And I don't know how much that's their fault because I still, I just 
get this feeling that like i mean i don't want to talk about him i uh, like they need like a beep for whenever i have to bring up jim benning's name because it's (laughs) it's like gonna i'm gonna die muttering that guy's name somehow um i just feel like he's his history with the ahl team has been one that fails to build an actual credible defense and this year they had a lot of veterans like noah juleson madison bowie like pretty solid like capable guys that can give you nhl minutes but they just get shelled when it comes to 5v5 offense because they're just not good skaters like there is a reason why they got them as filler pieces in trades because they just can't skate anymore and like noah jilson's a fan favorite because like you know he's a local kid hits hard gives it his all even though he can't skate and you know he barely produces yeah, great interview. Like he, he seems like an like an all around nice guy, and he'll probably be like a shoe in to be the team's captain next year because I feel like the acquisitions they made this offseason pushed him down the call up chart. So I think when it comes to last year though, that like they were hampered by their defense and their goalies really kind yes. of dropped the ball. And I don't think that's their fault either like not the goalie's fault that is like di pietro like got absolutely screwed last year when they didn't play him for like an entire year barely even tried to get him games because they were too cheap to get a fourth goalie uh arter Silovs needed to play as well he was in the same boat as di pietro where he barely played in the previous year during the yeah. covid taxi squad year so you had these two young kids that basically lost a year of development and it probably impacted them more than anyone in the organization was willing to admit and then you had spencer martin who was the only guy that really kind of took the role and that's purely because of his experience and he was great like i think he did really good for them but at the end of the day like the like the bed was sort of made with that team especially when spencer martin got called up and it was you know injuries galore into the forward group so they were basically just running on fumes by the end of that season and they had like they had like a really impressive win streak towards the end like they won something like 16 of their final like 20 games like they really outperformed expectations considering they had guys like yushiro hirano in the top six with like other echl forwards like they shouldn't have done as well as they did but they overcame but it was clearly like they had blown the tank to win as many games they did down the stretch and then when it came to playoffs they were just they just had nothing left in the tank they had a bunch of bodies come back the chemistry was all off uh you were talking earlier about liking uh the hashtag team sheldon's well Mm -hmm. one of the big issues that we kind of talked about in the playoffs was that the sheldon's didn't play together Yep. in the playoffs which was yes really odd because Very they had such a long track record of the season of just like lighting it up and the fact that they weren't brought together was super bizarre and then you had Vasily Podkolzin who like god bless his heart but he just like did not look like he knew what to do with AHL hockey because it's just so yeah. manic compared to the NHL game and so it's like not his fault so it's like even though they had this influx of talent like there was just no chemistry there at all for any of them. So I feel bad for them because like they probably should have done way better in playoffs than they did, but it was just like the writing was on the wall. Like 
some guys were completely checked out clearly uh gold goaltending was not there you had a bunch of guys returning from the nhl when they didn't really want to be there it was just like yeah. the the juju was bad and so like it's yeah. no surprise that it ended the way it did so on the whole though the actual season itself was it was successful like you don't you don't ice a team like some nights with only nine forwards and half of them are PTOs from the ECHL and win 16 of 20 games. Like you just don't. You you do because you have good coaching and say what you will about Trent Cole, but he did know how to get good performances out of players that had no business giving the performances that they do. Uh, so from that perspective, they did really well. But I'm sure looking forward now, people are going to be expecting, you know, a really good team again that pushes for playoffs and learns from their mistakes of last year. But I, I don't think anyone's really talked about this. I kind of did mention it briefly in uh, one of my Twitter threads, but like, I don't think they're going to be that good at all next year because I still think their defense is going to be brutalized by call-ups to the NHL team and their goaltending depth, especially if Michael DiPietro goes to some other team is yeah. looking very not great. Like, Colin Delia does not really have good numbers in the AHL. Arter Seelovs is still very young. He's only on the second year of his ELC and doesn't really have the experience as an AHL backup, let alone an AHL starter. So it could be, like, really demoralizing for fans who might have been, like, expecting another playoff contender. But that's my hot take. You heard it here first on C4, <laughs> folks. Yeah, I mean, the thing is... I mean, I'll say something about the goalies first off, just, I, I'm with you, like, I can fully understand why they aren't sure about Di Pietro. My thing is, how are they sure about Seelovs and Delia? That's mm -hmm. my worry. And, like, it's really, like, a lot harder being um, a goalie at the AHL level than the NHL level. Like, the shots you're dealing with are just like crazy especially with the defense the weakness on defense mm -hmm. my thing i sort of wonder whether it's the case and you'll probably find this as someone who you know writes a lot and watches a lot of ahl hockey is that maybe canucks fans don't really know what they want with a farm <laughs> team you know they want mm -hmm. the development but they also want them to win and get into playoffs you know they want a strong nhl team mm -hmm. and but they, yeah, and they want, like, the AHL players to play. They want them to develop, but also, you know, get NHL experience. So, yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a tough, like, like, mixture you need to find. And that's why, like, when I first started writing about the farm team was, I, like, I, I started writing about the farm team purely because I knew that Colin, Gadjevich, Palmu, and Yastrzik were all coming to the AHL. So I was like, Oh, okay. This is gonna be great. They're gonna they're gonna play the wheels off them, and they're gonna see what they can do. They might be a terrible team, but hey, you're gonna see what these kids can do. And they 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 didn't play them at all. And then at that time, I was like, well, what's the point of your farm team if you're not playing the kids, you're not developing, and your team sucks? Like yeah. you're not accomplishing any of your goals. And their farm team was terrible when all those kids uh, debuted or debuted. Cheese. And then. You look at other teams in the AHL too, like the Los Angeles Kings organization, the New Jersey Devils, and the Buffalo Sabres all had farm teams that were loaded with 
kids under 23 years old. And for one or two years, those teams were some of the worst in the AHL. And now, two years later, now that they've played the wheels off these kids, are Mm -hmm. legitimately the best teams in the AHL right now because they have all of this young talent being trusted with huge minutes at 5v5 or on the power play or on the penalty kill, and they're scoring like crazy. The Ontario Reign lost something like every single defenseman to the Los Angeles Kings at one point, and all of those kids with only a season of the AHL under the belt produced good offensive numbers in the NHL despite having, like on paper, very little game experience. But that's because they trusted them with the minutes. New Jersey, same thing. They had kids like this Alexander Holtz kid come in and put up like 67 points in 66 games. Like, that's what Canucks fans, I think, want. But to your point, like, they also want the team to win. But sometimes to win, you can't play Alexander Holtz 15 or 16 minutes a night with power play one time. So it's like a weird mix they need to find. And it's a lot easier when you draft a lot more youth. And maybe they've done that in this past draft with Damon Gardner and uh, Jackson Dorrington or Elias Patterson, whoever. Maybe this, like moving forward, we will start seeing a team that is actually quite bad for a couple years, but gets better as their kids grow up and get more experience. But hey, they need to sell tickets. It's tough to say if they actually stick with it. If ownership wants to stick through an AHL team that sucks, it's not for everybody. And, you know, we we all see the gas prices out there, folks. We know it's really rough in Vancouver right now. Milk is like $5.28 at my local shoppers. It's expensive out there, so it's tough to sell a losing team. These guys need to make money too somehow, so I completely understand why they might be like, I just want to win I don't really care about the kids getting their minutes because I need to sell tickets. It sucks for yeah. the kids, but I mean, oh, yeah. I understand but from a business perspective why you'd be like, like, I, I don't want a loser. I want a winner. <laughs> but honestly, maybe the gas prices will work in Canucks' favor because all the Canucks fans that are in Abbotsford and the Fraser Valley are not going to want to drive into Vancouver to watch games. So, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That actually, that actually tracks. This will all work out. They're just going to send Kuzmenko and Niels Hoglander to the AHL to make them like the best team in the AHL, mm-hmm. the most fun to watch, and uh, that'll solve all their problems. It'll make all their money. Yeah, but to go back to your point about like you know playing the kids, developing the kids, um, really, like, do you want to be in a position like where you know as the Canucks who the baby Canucks lost the Condors in two games um, um, in the playoffs. And, you know, they had 32 year olds scoring their game winning goals. They had Adam Cracknell, <laughs> like, winning it for them. Like, I'm sure the, like, and the fans are all just random people in, like, you know, Oilers jerseys or, like, LA Kings jerseys or maple leaf jerseys or non-hockey jerseys i'm not like having a go at like an a farm team's like fan base like it's (laughs) an easy thing to do but you know it's i'd much rather see like you know turn on ahl tv and see some young players 
playing and be like, mm-hmm. oh, these players like clearly have gaps in their game, but once they sort that out, like they could be on, you know, I could be seeing them on Vancouver's roster next year. So yeah, that would be the exciting thing. It's just, yeah, it would definitely be, you know, encouraging to see that happen too. But, um, you know, it, it sucks when it's like, okay, your best prospects like are like years away. So like, there is a potential yeah. where Jeremy Carlton comes in and he's like, I want to play the kids. And then he sees the kids on at his disposal and he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, oh just I kidding. don't really have any of them here to play. So maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair, there's, that's the you know elephant in the room is that Canucks prospect cupboard is pretty empty. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you might have the right philosophy for your AHL team, but that doesn't translate always translate yeah. to what you want it to. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think you're right. They got a lot right off the ice. The flood um efforts. Um mm-hmm. there was it some really good stories. Um I mean Yushiro Hirano so so player, but great yeah. story like being the first Japanese born player to play in the Adichal and mm-hmm. um so they got a lot right there, even if they really didn't lean heavily enough into Team Sheldon. <laughs> when they needed to the most yeah it's yeah. a bit disappointing but yeah just to finish off on abbotsford what's like one thing you want to see next year um out of them uh you know i don't really have any expectations really of like what i hope to see because like mostly off ice stuff is where i kind of want to see what the team actually cares about and what's to do because it'd be yeah. very easy for the you know, the Aquilini group to just be like, all right, we have the HL team here. That's enough. That'll sell tickets as it is. But they've really embraced the uh, First Nations community communities there. They've embraced um, yes. the, the, just the city in general. Like you're saying, well, like the flooding efforts, like you have like the players themselves volunteering their spare time to help out uh, those that were, you know, impacted the most. So like, because they've nailed that part of it to such a degree, I'm kind of just like, you know, at this point, it's just on the players like I'm, I want to see what Linus Carlson can do. I want to see if he can jump from the SHL as a 20 goal scorer and be like something, you know, legitimate at the AHL level. It might not happen, but like that's kind of what I'm looking forward to the most is just to see what what Jeremy Carlton can do with like what theoretically might be a very young play playing group. So no expectations i think they've done a pretty good job so far i just really want to see i'm just looking forward to seeing you know a really young team that looks completely different than last yeah nice um well that's all i have on abbotsford i feel like we should just round off and talk about some fun things around the league sure um (laughs) something that i just think is going to be really fun is to watch probably the Chicago Blackhawks and Vegas just ex- just completely implode. Um, oh yeah, one of the, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be great. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, Phil Kessel's just signed in Vegas, um, and if like yeah, that, yeah, I I'm just waiting for a PK Subban what, to sign somewhere too. Yeah, do you think he will? Is it? I hope so for him. His sake, it's a real shame that his career hasn't really gone the way it could have with all his potential, but... I, I kind of hope, like, some team... Like, P- 
PK Subban's such a charismatic guy. Like, I bet he's probably get feeling better offers to do TV than he is to continue on right. as a player right yeah, now. Yeah. So I would completely understand if, like, he just hung him up and moved into broadcasting instead of being a player. Yeah. Which is a shame because I do think he can still bring enough on, like, a third pair, like a sheltered third yeah. pair role. Like, I'd love to right. see... Like, it'd be just, like, fun to see, like, okay, throw P.K. Subban out there with Quinn Hughes for a couple shifts. Like, it'd just be, like, just for shits and gigs. If he's doing it, if he's doing it on, like, you know, league minimum, like, I don't think anyone's going to care because he's not making, like, nine million. And you love him for the quotes in your team. And, like, he's not going to be, like, a 60-point guy like he used to be. But, like, I still think he could bring enough to the table. But I just don't think... I don't think anyone team is going to be meeting the kind of money he wants. Um, that's why I was kind of surprised that Phil Kessel actually signed in Vegas because like I f- figured he would have held out for like a bit more money than 1.5, even at his yeah. age. Like it just seems like he would have gone, you know, back to the penguins or to the Florida or whatever for, you know, $3 million because like he wants to win. And I don't know if, I mean, maybe players think Vegas is, going to do a lot better than pundits but they they traded for Aiden Hill today as if that's at all going to solve their goaltending problems so yeah man I I don't I don't know how that's going to work out at all I really wonder if this is what Jack Eichel pitched when he moved (laughs) yeah just like a team that can't even get trades right um team with no goalies but yeah was What's done is done. Um, at least the weather is better than Buffalo, I guess. Um, <laughs> hey, he's got that going for him. It's wild yeah. to me that he's he is like only has four years left on his eight year deal. Like mm-hmm. it feels like he just signed that ten million dollar extension, and he's halfway through it, which is yeah. just absolutely insane to me. And it's all been spent on teams that are just terrible. Yeah, And I love the fact that he went to Vegas and they conceivably might just become Buffalo 2.0 because they've got nothing yeah. in the pipeline and their their books are just completely cooked. Like, I love that. Like, that's like just like a narrative that will follow him until he's in his 30s. That's great. I'm looking forward to seeing what Vegas looks like on paper next year because whoo, looking yeah. at that goaltending tandem, it is not going to be good at all. I can't wait. Yeah, literally when I saw the headline of Jack Heichel saying that they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder, and I was just like, is that a new slang for goalies that I haven't heard? Yeah. Because <laughs> they're really going to struggle. But I think that's going to be something to look forward to. Um, final thing, are we going to have a, like a new Mock Girl Summer? Where is Tyler Mock going? Man, I don't know. Coming like. Back. I don't think he's coming back because I feel like the team needs to move away from Jason Dickinson or some kind of contract Mm -hmm. to even make it work. Like maybe they could, but I feel like the fact that they traded him for like peanuts basically tells you all you need to know is that like at their number, they weren't willing to bring him back and Tyler Mott wasn't going to sign them, sign that number either. That's why he left. So it would be really weird for him to like for Tyler Mott to suddenly like go back and be like, actually 
I know you lowballed me and it wasn't a number I liked, but I'm not going to get signed otherwise, so I'll take the lowest thing I can get. Like, I don't think he'd do that. Like, if he was going to yeah. take the lowest offer, like, available, it would be for a different team. Yeah. And and f- that's fine. Like, I think, I think if they brought back Tyler Mott, too, then you would really hear the complaints from fan base that they're they're trying too hard to run it back. Because then you're le- legitimately looking at a team that all they did was add Andre Kuzmenko and then lose Yuho Lamico and Matthew Highmore. And mm-hmm. that's not good enough for a team that missed playoffs for like the second year in a row. Yeah, totally. I think you're right. I think whilst yeah. he's a great ambassador off the ice, um, it's not mm-hmm. quite the same as bringing back Luke Shen, you know, from, you know, a Stanley Cup championship team. Not quite mm-hmm. like the same feel good story. I don't think um yeah in terms of actual linear progress um final thing on the canucks um chris tells me that's far too early to start talking about (laughs) storylines but um the one storyline i said i was looking forward to last week was or last episode was the robrocassance which is Mm -hmm. the rebirth of rogue bassa um and i will keep using that until it becomes a thing um is there any like one thing one player one um system that you're looking forward to see play out it can be bad or good or it can <laughs> be really stupid and silly well i'm mostly negative about the team so i'll i'll flip the switch here and go positive i am looking forward like you to the brock besser reconnaissance or the brock what's it the besser sense the brock the reconnaissance the reconnaissance that's better, I think. There you than go. The yeah, the Braconnaissance, I think, is going to be legit because, like, poor guy had, like, a horrendous year off the ice. He's he's not going to be playing with, like, a chip on his shoulder, but it's definitely going to be, like, he's playing for something. Like, he's going to be playing yeah. for the memory of his dad. That guy is going to come back and dispel a lot of the guys that were hating on his fact like his ability inability to score of last year even though he still hit 20 goals but i think it's going to be more in line with like his rookie season where where he nearly hit 30 and i think you couple that with elias patterson theoretically being completely healthy wrist fine playing at the clip he was playing to end last season and i think the two are going to be Basically, the re the reincarnation of the Lotto line, maybe with JT Miller again, maybe without. But that's the storyline I'm looking for: is those two yeah, yeah. basically eclipsing what they used to do together and being something a bit more. That's what I'm hoping happens, and that's what I think we should all be looking forward to. I absolutely love it. Um, that's great. So, um, well, just before we close out. Um, let me ask you again, Cody, just for everyone who isn't following you, um, where can they follow you on social media and where can they find your work? That's a good question. Uh, you guys can follow me at Cody Siebertson on Twitter. Um, my site is ahlnuxharvest.com, but looking at my work plate, I don't know if I'm going to be writing on that site that much anymore, but there's a lot of outdated game recaps if you want to check those out. Uh, looking forward into the season, you can definitely check me at canucksarmy.com, where I will be providing pre-game reviews, or sorry, previews, sorry, and game <laughs> recaps, cool. plus... Yeah, yeah. So, so I've heard. I, I've done a few of them in my time. Um, and uh, I got something else uh, 
working and cooking in the books for Canucks Army, but I can't quite talk about it yet, but um, it's going to be really exciting. Um, very mysterious, and yes, I, I'm very excited for it, and you guys should be too. So give me a follow if you want to. If not, I don't care either way. <laughs> well, you've already brought us one exclusive, so we won't push you for another, but um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Um, listeners, if you made it this far and you don't follow us on social media, what the frick are you doing? Um, <laughs> we're on the C4 Podcast. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We're at c4podcast.com where you can find all our previous episodes. And if you want to hang out, talk hockey, post pictures of your dinner, arrange some online gaming meetups, um, you can do that on Discord. It's discord.io slash c4podcast. And just as a reminder, we will be hanging out in person, live in person, with beers and fun times at Steamworks, 4pm, Saturday, the 10th of September. Um, any final thoughts before we head out, Cody? No, just thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to the season. We should uh, do this again sometime. Yep. Final thought for me is that that was really great, and I'm so glad that we finally had you on. And final, final thought is give Murphy a big hug <laughs> me because he is adorable. Well, I was texting with my wife while we were recording, and apparently he was being a huge shit on their walk. So I won't be giving him a hug tonight, but maybe tomorrow if he's doing hey, it. Hey, tomorrow, better. tomorrow. You yeah, maybe tomorrow. Reward his <laughs> Yeah. Um, but. Thanks so much, Cody, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back in two weeks. Hopefully, Chris will be back with me then, and we'll see you at Steamworks. With all that said, we out.